You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Whitney Johnson, one of the top 10 business thinkers in the world, as named by Thinkers50 and a LinkedIn top voice with 1.8 million followers. Whitney is the CEO of Disruption Advisors and an award-winning author of multiple books, including her most recent, Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company, published by Harvard Business Review Press. She also hosts the weekly Disrupt Yourself podcast with guests including Brene Brown, Adam Grant, Simon Sinek, and General Stanley McChrystal. An innovation and disruption theorist, Whitney is a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review and MIT Sloan Management Review. She teaches the S-curve of learning to managers and companies as both a keynote speaker and a frequent lecturer for Harvard Business School's corporate learning. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Whitney discuss what is the S-curve of learning and key stages of growth, how to grow your people and help them find their S-curve, how to use the S-curve to become better leaders, and how to use the S-curve to design your team and scale it across the organization. This S-curve concept gives leaders great language to use in coaching and developing their team members. Plus, in the episode, Whitney gives a trick for ensuring your feedback is well-received. Before diving into today's episode, be sure to subscribe for our podcast and check out our Scaling Culture Masterclass, the eight-module playbook on how to build a high-performing, resilient team that covers all things culture from creating and activating core values and culture-driven screening and onboarding to building relationships, change management, and operating as a team. To learn more or purchase the masterclass, please go to scalingculture.org. And this episode of Scaling Culture is sponsored by Spoken. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett. And today I'm very excited to have Whitney Johnson with us. Whitney, good to see you. Ron, it's nice to see you as well. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I was really excited. You know, it was funny. Um, we were chatting just briefly. I, I had your book with me on vacation. Then I left it there, and then I just got another copy. So I breezed through it, but I haven't, I haven't dove into it as much as I would like before, uh, before this episode. So I'm really excited to get into the content. I am too. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you why I had such a long pause because I think it's interesting. As soon as you started talking about diving into the content. I was thinking about how you said you used to be a bodyguard and you worked, you know, for Jay-Z. And I was like, huh, I wonder if we could apply the S curve of learning, which we'll talk about in a minute to being a bodyguard. So that's where well, my head went. That's why I started to pause. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and, and I think it, you know, I'm excited to see where else this can be applied yeah. to, because I feel like it can be applied in all kinds of, of different mm-hmm. avenues. So let's start there. Like, let's like, let's go back to the idea. What was yeah. the, what sparked the idea of the S curve? Yeah. So in my prior life, we all have prior lives. Um, In my prior life, I was an equity analyst and worked on Wall Street, award-winning analyst. And then I had started a a fund with Clayton Christensen at the Harvard Business School, and we were investing in disruptive innovation. And one of the things that um, we did is we used the S-curve that was popularized by the sociologist Everett Rogers to figure out how quickly an innovation would be adopted. Um, and understanding that this is a way to think about how do groups change, how do they adopt new products, services, et cetera. And as we were applying this to investing, I had this aha, this insight that the S-curve could also help us understand how people grow, how we change. And so um, 
the, the basic idea is, is that every time we start something new, we're on a new S curve. And if you're, if your listeners want to with me for a minute, take their finger and draw from left to right, a horizontal line. The first part of that S curve is, is the launch point. And this is that place where you're starting a new project, a new role, um, a new hobby, a new year, a new day, and you're at the launch point. And um, what's happening there in our brains is that our brain is making a lot of predictions about what we think will happen. We have this hypothesis, but many of those predictions are inaccurate. So um, because they're inaccurate, our dopamine drops. And so it's not that growth isn't happening. It's just very slow. And so we can feel impatient. We can feel discouraged. We could feel overwhelmed because we can't put all those pieces together. So the experience that you're having at the launch point of a curve, um, is that it just feels slow. So that's the first part of the curve. Now I want you to take your finger and I want you to draw another line, which is, I want you to take, go sort of this from bottom to the top, like the sleek, steep back of an S that wonderful Mm -hmm. sinuous shape. And that is the second part. That's the sweet spot of that S curve. And what's happening here in your brain is it's making these predictions, but those predictions are increasingly accurate. And because they're increasingly accurate, you're getting lots and lots of dopamine, lots of emotional upside surprises. And so it's still hard, but it's no longer too hard. And it's definitely easier, but it's not too easy. So it feels exhilarating. You feel like you're right where you're supposed to be. Growth is fast. It feels fast. And this is the sweet spot of your growth. And then there's a third stage. And the third stage, I want you to take your finger again and draw from left to right. It's a flat horizontal line. And this is the mastery stage. And here your predictive model is you figured it out. You're very good. Maybe this is what happened to you when you were a bodyguard. You're like, I'm good at this. I know how to do this, but I'm no longer learning. And so your brain says, I got to do something new. Cause if I don't, this plateau is going to become a precipice. And so at this point, your growth is in fact, slow. So the S curve, slow, fast, slow is how you grow. And it gives you this simple, simple, and it's purposely simple visual model to think about what growth looks like. And once you know what growth looks like, it allows you to figure out where am I and what's next. And you can apply it into all sorts of aspects of your life. So that's a quick overview. So interesting. A couple of thoughts. One, for the record, one time I was in an elevator with Ringo Starr and I pressed the wrong, the wrong floor to get off. And Ringo looked at it and he said, like, we're on the wrong floor. He said, you could, he said, you couldn't guard a dead body, could you? I said, no, not really. <laughs> he made fun of me on his, that was his, on his Ringo Ramator. So, uh, so I probably could have used these skills way back then, but I wanted to, um, <clears throat> I want to talk about the S curve and, and some of these points for a second and, and kind of draw it back to my own uh, experience. So first off, the first time I heard about the S-curve in business was actually at, at uh, I may mention this before, but it was at the Harvard Extension School Design Thinking course, which blew me away. I love that. Mm-hmm. And so you've really, you've taken the business S-curve and applied it to people and how, and, 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 and people's journey along that S-curve, correct? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. It's, right. I, I've, I've taken the diffusion curve that we thought about products or services or yeah. group change and said, this applies to us as an individual. This can map personal growth. So on this, the, the second portion of that is, was my curiosity, really, because I went through my own um, 
journey, which continues, but I really went through a place where I kept, before getting to mastery, I was, I was trying to figure out new skills. So for instance, you know, I'm dyslexic and I've always had challenges with financing. And I, and at one point I was going to take a finance course and I was like, I need to pick up this new skill because it would be, you know, it would add value to what I'm doing. And then I, I, I went through this long process and got to a place where I said, you know what, someone's going to do this better than me. I'm just going to hire that. And I'm going to continue, I'm going to get better at building relationships. And I, and, and, and so that became kind of my mastery was, or, or, you know, I continue on that journey to try to put my efforts and learning into that space. But where, you know, does that happen a lot where people veer and they can't really figure out what the lane is for them on the second yeah. tranche of the curve? What, what have you yeah, seen? As, so, what does the data so- show? Well, what, what I love, so first of all, let's talk about finance because I think that's very interesting is that there are an in, um, infinitesimal number of S-curves that we can be on. And right. so one of the things that we're doing when we're at the launch point is there's this exploratory phase. That's the first, first mm-hmm. phase is you decide um, whether you chose to be on that curve or whether you were pushed onto that curve, you'd still have to make a decision. Do I actually want to be here? And, um, you know, I'm on a desert Island. Do I want to stay or do I want to go? Do I want to get off today? And so one of the things that you were doing when you were at the launch point of thinking about becoming good at finance is you were exploring, you were collecting data and you finally said, you know what, this isn't for me. I don't want to be on this S curve. I'm going to delegate this S curve to someone Ah. else so that I can move along the S curve in areas that I actually care about that. And, and more importantly, that are going to leverage my unique gifts and talents so that I can make my greatest contribution. But in this case, if I had of liked finance, I would start a new S-curve of finance, right? But I just oh. didn't. That was gone. I got it. All right. You chose that. You chose yeah. that. So then what you made, you made the decision is, you know, there's all this, this sorting and sifting. I don't want that S-curve. I don't want that S-curve. I don't want this one. I don't want that one. And what you said is, you know what? I like being on this S-curve of building relationships. I don't know what what we'll do with those relationships, but I enjoy people. I like being around people and I like to see what happens when I'm around people. Now, what could happen here is you could get to the point where you're like, I, you do the same old thing that you always did in terms of how you interact with people. That would be in mastery. That would be this place where you're getting bored and you need to do something new. But what I hear you saying is you got into the sweet spot in terms of building relationships and you're continually finding ways to challenge yourself right. in terms of what those look like, um, how you interact with people, who you interact with, what you do as a consequence of those relationships, continually refining that so you're never getting into mastery. Right. You're just right. perpetually staying in this place of optimized tension of being in the sweet spot around your relationships. There are micro curves within that, but you're in the sweet spot overall. And is that the optimal place to be? Because, because if you hit mastery, you're kind of on the, okay, I'm going to need to find my new curve. I'm getting lazy here. I just stay in this lazy zone or am I yeah. wrong? Yes and no. So if you think about relationships, you know, you said you, yep. you, before we got on, you're married, you have three children. You want to stay in the sweet spot in your relationships perpetually, right? And yes. so you um, do different things in order to figure out how to stay in the sweet spot with those relationships. So, so the answer is yes and no. Because in order for you or me to really be a peak performer in our profession, in our life, we need to be able to master all three phases of the growth cycle. We need to be very good and figure out how to get into the sweet spot 
but we need to know how to navigate the launch point. We need to know, okay, I'm going to go to this place of discomfort. How do I navigate that? So I move through that effectively. And we also need to know how to be in mastery and be very good at something and figure out how to make that decision to do something new. And it's that ability to complete that growth cycle that actually allows us to be um, at our best to, to, like I said, to be a peak performer. So there's this, there's this uh, quote, and I don't know who, who uh, it might be from a gentleman by the name of Vern Harsh, but this quote that I love, which is the skills that you have today are the same skills that get in your way as you try to grow, as you try to grow or, or scale your company, whatever that is. Where does that land in the S curve? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, this is fun. So, um, so I would say that quote is a mastery quote. Okay. So for example, I'm in mastery and I want to keep keep doing the same thing that I've been doing. And I've gotten now overly reliant on those skills. Um, I can do it in my sleep. I'm not learning anything. And so what's going to happen now is if I'm so reliant on those, um, I can actually sabotage my own growth because I'm bored or I'll get disrupted. Now, if you'll use those skills and leverage them to do something new, they're very useful to you. But if you just, there is no such thing as coasting. That plateau does become a precipice. Now, let me give you a quick example I think is a great illustration of this. Um, So um, uh, 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 Dan Shapiro, who is the chief, um, he's a very senior executive at LinkedIn. I think he's the chief revenue officer, if I'm not, if I'm- Heard the name. Yeah, maybe we Google him, but- um, Anyway, senior executive at LinkedIn. Well, several years ago, he had moved up the rank in sales. He was the most senior person in sales, had gone into the CEO and said, you know, I really, someday I'd like to be a tech CEO. And the CEO said to him, well, if that's your dream, you're in the wrong job. He's like, what? Like I'm, I'm nailing it from sales. I took this from $10 million to a billion dollars in sales. And you're telling me I'm in the wrong job. He said, yeah, if you want to be a CEO, you have to go into product. He's like, okay, well, all right, then why don't I go into product? I'm like, what? You can't go into product. You don't know anything about product. It's like, no, the I want to go S curve. Like that's a, a brand new, right, right. totally new S curve. Go, so he goes into product. I mean, the, the fact that they let him do this is astonishing, but he goes into product. He now has, instead of a thousand total reports, he has three engineers he's working with and no- That guarantee. sounds like an easier time. Yeah, exactly. But here, here's the, the take home that I wanted to say. Initially, he was very bad at product because he had never done it before. But quickly, slowly, then quickly, like launch point, then sweet spot, he became exceptional at it. Why? Because he was able to bring all of those skills that he had in sales of running a massive team to inform how he ran product. So to that quote, yes, you jump to a new curve. You take everything that you have with you, um, but you don't stay there. You jump to do something new and then Mm. you leverage everything you know in order to move along your new curve. So let's go to the other side of that, um, which is managing people through the S curve, right? As a leader, how do you manage people? Because I know from my own experience, I've had a lot of tough conversations where I've, you know, talked to someone and said, you know, look, Whitney, I know you like sales, but you're just, you, you, you know, I know that your DNA is not to have conflict or, or um, you, you have trouble closing because you don't want any conflict. You feel, you feel uncomfortable with that. So unless you can get through that, there's a different, you know, seat on this bus for you. And I think it's, you're so detailed. You should be in operations. You're, you're so good at the, the detail side of things. Yeah. Um, 
And those have been tough conversations. What, you know, what is your, you know, how do you look at this from guiding someone along the S curve and even figuring out what, if that, the, the, you know, from the launch pad perspective, say, yeah. wow, this is the wrong launch pad for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are, those are actually two different questions. So let me, let me answer the managing along the curve first, and then we'll okay. talk about if it's not the right curve. Got it. Okay. So if you've got someone, well, actually we'll see, let's, let's see where we go. So sure. if you've got someone on the launch point, brand new and, and, and brand new can be a brand new CEO, by the way, like brand new isn't yep. just someone straight out of college. So you've got someone on the launch point. What do we know? We know that it's going to feel overwhelming. They're going to feel discouraged. They're going to feel inept. Um, they've got a loss of identity because they're not who they were. They're who they are now. And who is that? And so what you need at the launch point is you need a lot of encouragement. Um, you need a lot of support and what is, and that can look like simply words of encouragement. I put you here because I think you can do it. it and Whitney, be, yes. sorry, but I think I read in your book, this isn't a time to challenge someone. This is a time to support, right? To not like test them, I, I think was the, the wording I read in the book, right? right? That's right, right? Because you already made the decision. You already tested them. Yeah, when yeah the interview was them, a test as right. best you could. Yeah. Right, the interview was the test or their prior role was a test and you made mm-hmm. the decision that you wanted to put them here. Now is not the time to keep retesting them because they're already feeling really tentative um, and and uncomfortable. So what they need is they need support. Like I said, words of encouragement. Here's why I put you here. They need training. Like, what do you need? And, and, and they need to tell you what they need in order to move along that curve. And they also need lots of feedback. One of the things that we do when someone's new is we say, oh, well, they're brand new. I'm not going to give them feedback. No, you've got to give them feedback on day one, because if you say good job, good job, good job, they'll be like, okay, when are they going to kill me dead? Because I, I, when are they going to tell me the things that aren't working? And so you just put them out of their misery. And on day one, you find something to say, Hey, this isn't working or this, you know, can you fix this? So then they'll say, Oh, Ron just gave me feedback and he didn't kill me dead. I think it's safe here. That Uh means I can make progress. So, okay. So that's the third thing. And then the fourth and perhaps most important thing and way to support someone to the launch point is to value the fact that they are inexperienced because at the launch point, they are able to say, why do we do it like this? They've got fresh, fresh eyes, a fresh perspective and to be willing to be open to that. Why do you, we do it like this instead of saying, just go do your job. Because when they ask those questions, those open the door to innovation, but more importantly, you are supporting them because you're allowing them to feel like they're contributing in some way, albeit small. So that's the launch point. Love that. Um, You know what? I'm going to answer your question now, because I think this is your other question. What if it's not the right curve at the launch point? um, If you map against Erickson's 10,000 hour rule, it's going to take you three to six months to move off the launch point. So what you're going to find is, and what you want to track is, um, is this person gaining momentum in this role? And you want to early Uh on give them really small things that they can measure to gain traction. But if they're not gaining momentum, then what you can do is you can draw out the S curve and say, here's what it looks like. Here's what we expect on the launch point. You're not moving along this. It doesn't mean I don't value and I don't want you here. I just think it might be the wrong S curve. So let's find the right one for you. Right. Right. I like that. Interesting. 
This episode of Scaling Culture is sponsored by Spoken. And speaking of scaling culture, how do you build culture and keep employees engaged when everyone is remote? Let's face it, no one has completely figured it out. That's why we got so excited when we heard about Spoken. Spoken is a podcasting platform for the workplace. They help companies like Udemy, Robinhood, and Snike tap into the popularity of podcasts to tackle their biggest people priority without adding one more Zoom call to the day. And Robinhood is using Spoken to create podcasts with company leaders to tell stories that are really tied to the company's values. We believe sharing stories are critical in driving home core values and bringing them to life in an organization as time goes on. Pretty cool, right? Listeners of our podcast can get two months free on their annual contract with Spoken. Head over to getspoken.com slash scaling culture. That's Spoken without the E to learn about all the different ways podcasting on their platform can help transform your remote culture. And let me go back to, because this is actually, you know, kind of a real-time situation. I'm today, I'm having a one-month check-in with our new COO for my real estate company, Vita. And he's doing a phenomenal job. I have really good feedback. I don't know if I have, like, what do you do if you if you can't find the, you know, I don't want to make fun of his closing clothing. I don't yeah. think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? You, yeah, just in that point, what? I'm just trying to, and what I've done to try to find that is, is called his peers quickly and said, hey, you know, what do you think? Well, if there's one thing that maybe he could do differently, what would it be? And that's those are the questions I'm trying to ask, anyways. You know. Well, in this particular instance, I think that that's terrific. Um, I think what I would do is then just talk about the process, say things are going really well. So here's my question for you. Um, how do you, when I see something that, that I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's tweak this. How do you want me to deliver it to you? And, and what do you think you could be doing better? What do you think I could be doing better so that you're, so that since it's already working, then use this as an opportunity to just make it work better. I love that. You've really opened it up. And 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 it, what you've also done is introduced, I am going to give you feedback. It's coming. And so I love the, because there's something compassionate and empathetic about, and how would you like the feedback? What's the best way for you to receive it? Because I'm happy to do that for you, right? I right. love that. Right. And Ron, one other thought that just came to mind, I think is really important is that um, most people don't like conflict. And, and you'll appreciate this is there, there was a terrific book um, called um, the psychology of killing that was by a former military fellow. And I, it was fascinating. Um, and he said that when we give feedback to someone, it feels emotionally like they're assaulting us. So it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to receive and it's really hard to give. And so one of the things that I say to people is that it is uncomfortable to give feedback. So the fact that I am doing it means that I am invested in you and I'm invested in our relationship. And so when I say that, you know, remember I'm giving you this feedback because I'm invested in you. That always makes them go, oh yeah, right, right. Of course she is. Because if she didn't, care. She didn't want me to develop. If she didn't want our relationship to work, she wouldn't say anything because it's really uncomfortable to say something. You know, it's, it's interesting because, and I wish I had have known this in my early years. Um, cause I, you know, it was, and, and I feel like I, uh, I had an easier time because when I started in the security business, I started doing nightclubs and I was working with my friends. And so I was, I was actually good at like, Hey, let's have a beer, but Hey, tucking your shirt. Like I could yeah. separate both. But later on, I, I, when I sold the business, um, when I was 37, five years ago, I had a business coach. 
And I can't believe I waited that long to get a coach. I find now that quite stupid. And so anyways, don't, don't we all Ron, don't we all yeah, right? Like then you find like, there's more, I, yeah. you know, even though I sold a business, I, there's so much, I don't know. There's so much to learn and that comes later, but it is the journey. And we worked on a framework, a one, two, three punch for feedback. And I want to run it by you. I want to get your thoughts on it and, and, and please poke at it. It's similar. It, it's in the same spirit of what you said. So yeah. the three, the three things, which, which have changed feedback for me and I've added a fourth. <clears throat> so, and I'll, I'll go back to the fourth layer, but, but the one, two, three punch one is, is the intention, which is what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm giving this to you because, but the intention, because the feedback sometimes I, it, my used to say, Oh, if you were the salesperson, I'd say, Whitney, you know, I want to talk to you because um, the, the, your sales are not where they need to be. That's mm -hmm. how I would start. Now the new one, two, three punch would be, look, the intention is of this conversation that you become the best salesperson possible, better than I ever was. And I want to really lift you up and make sure that you're crushing it here and, and support you in another way possible. So, you know, this is for your intention. Mm -hmm. And then two is the outcomes. Let's talk about this, that, and the other, but three, which was unexpected for me in the process was how do you want the person to experience you? And so I will, I will actually prep and I can be the fast, you know, Irish entrepreneur that, you know, security guy that pounds the table and, and be quite aggressive. But that is certainly isn't how I'd like you to leave the conversation. I'd want you to say Ron was a great listener and he was compassionate and he really cared for me. And he, he asked me great questions. He didn't interrupt me. And so I'll write these things down before I go in. Now I did learn the, the fourth thing, which I think was a lesson is, is this pre-check-in before feedback, which um, has burned me a few times. Um, one time I, I, I was working during the pandemic, we had uh, an employee who was really struggling and I was getting ready to give feedback and it just, I followed the play and I thought this isn't working. What happened? I didn't do a check-in. I didn't say, you know, Whitney, how are you feeling? Are you, are you okay to have this conversation? Like, did you sleep well last night? How are things going with you? Because maybe the timing is really awful for this, no matter how well I follow the play. Yeah. Thoughts on that? A lot to digest maybe. Uh, well, okay. So first of all, I think the intention really matters and, and even more, and to this idea of intention, I will say it slightly differently when I'm coaching is, is you need to love this person. Like right. in your, in your soul, you need to feel a sense of love and respect for this person, because if you don't, they will feel it no matter what you say. And so I think that's, that's, that's one thing that I would add to it. And but how do you deliver that? So walk me through that. What does that look like that, you know, in the messaging, I guess. It's how you feel. So it's your energy. It's your energy. It's right. your energy. It's the sense of, and, and we all know it. So for example, am I delivering this from, as I'm getting ready to talk to you, am I delivering this in my heart? Am I feeling a sense of, I want you to be the best salesperson ever. Or in my heart, am I pretty ticked off because you didn't reach, hit your numbers? I'm trying to be nice. Does that mean the I, timing thing? So that, that's, that's an internal reflection. Say, I'm not going to talk to Ron about this right now. I'm going to wait right. because I'm just a little ticked. Right. I, okay. I need to get to the point where I can say, so that, yes, it is a timing thing. It is, mm -hmm. am I in this place where I emotionally can deliver this information um, in a way that will support them and that I care about them and I respect them. And by the way, if I'm not in that place, then they, it may not be the right S curve for them to work for me because you need to feel that way about the people that work for you. 
So I love so, that. So, so just to pause there, I talked yeah. about checking in with the individual. You're saying, yeah, but you didn't look in the mirror too. You need to do a double check, right? Because you need to be really feeling, you, you need to be in the moment present and feeling the love and feeling. Um, right, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, and, and one th other thing that I would add that this is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, actually, is that there are certain things that trigger us. We all have these triggers and so I actually have started saying, which is shocking that I'm doing this, but I think it's really important is saying to someone, this thing in particular, when it doesn't like, when I feel like people aren't listening to my feedback, it actually triggers me. And so if I get triggered, I go from zero to a hundred in terms of frustration really fast. And How does so, that show up? So what I, I'll say to, you know, I'll just get dismissive, like, I don't love them in that moment. Right. And yeah. so I'll say to them, here's something that we want to work on. I want you to know that sometimes I can get triggered around this. And so if it feels especially fraught, that is why, but I still want you to know that I care about our relationship. I care about you being more effective, but I want you to know what's going on here. So it, it mm. you may, you're more transparent, but then they know what's going on. And then they can actually hear what you're saying. Right. Um, and then back to your original question on the check-in, I think that's right. Because if someone says you're saying, I want to give you feedback and, and you find out that yes, their entire family has COVID probably not the day to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and it's such a, you know, I find these tools and these conversations so helpful, right? There's, there's, there, there is, there is a, there's a mastery to it. You really can have a whole bunch of tools that you can pull out and, and deliver in the right time, but the framework, and I love what you're saying. And I'll certainly add that is, are you in it? How do you feel checking yourself and making sure that your energy is where it needs to be to have that conversation? Right. Because you're right. They'll read it like a book, you know, they will. And again, yeah. and if, and if you're, and if you can't get your energy there, then there's something else happening that you've got to figure out. Right. So I wanted to talk about, the S curve in how it's applied to self-development. And, and, yeah. and when, when we're using self-development, is that from a leader's perspective, how we develop and provide learning and guidance to you who's going through the S curve? It's both. It's both. Okay. So, so for example, I mean, we, we, we've been um, skating around this idea in our, our conversation from a self-development standpoint of, of when we understand what this looks like and we have this visual model for what growth looks like, um, when we decide, okay, I'm going to start something new. In fact, I, I had someone who endorsed the book said, say to me after they read the book, they said, oh, I'm working on my next book. And I realized that I was like really struggling and feeling awkward and uncomfortable. And they said, knowing the S curve helped me because ah. I was like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm supposed to feel uncomfortable. So it helps you cycle, it, it manage the emotional arc of your personal growth, no matter what it is, you're trying to do something new trying to be a parent of children under five kind of thing. Right. So there's that. Um, but then you can also use it as an artifact in developing the people on your team of being able to have that conversation. And I'll, I'll give you a, a specific example. Um, so a, a company that we work with, it's called chat books. They turn Instagram photos into books and, um, they've built this great culture. People like to work there, but it means that people have been there for a while and many of their people are in mastery. And so we administered our S curve insight tool, helped everybody figure out, okay, yep, they're in mastery, just like we thought they were. But then what it did is allowed them to have several conversations. 
Conversation number one was with the chief marketing officer who said, yep, I am in mastery. Yes, I am bored. Nope, there isn't something new for me to do here. She was able to have a conversation with the CEO and now it wasn't personal. It wasn't, I don't like chat books. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that I'm not getting any dopamine. Right. And there's nothing for, there's not a new curve for me here. I've, 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 you know, I've been here seven years. I need to go somewhere else. But then it was very amicable because it was just, yeah, she needs a new curve. In another instance, what they found out is, and this goes more to succession planning is the president was saying, Hey, I feel like I'm in mastery, but that's because you, the CEO are kind of still cramming me down on my curve. Cause you're not jumping to your own new curve. Mm. And so they were able to have this conversation around roles and responsibilities. So the CEO could actually go do his new S curve. And that created this headway along the curve or headroom, excuse me, on yep. the curve for the president. So he wasn't in mastery. He was still in the sweet spot because he had room to grow in that role. And then the third example would be is that the CTO was taking on a bunch of new responsibilities that were putting him at the launch point. It gave him permission. It gave him an ability to talk his team through, hey, everybody doing this new stuff. I'm going to feel kind of awkward. If I get cranky, you'll know why. And it gave him permission to be in that place of discomfort and everybody not thinking less of him because he was doing something new. So that's how you can use it as a manager to develop your people, um, to have that conversation around growth. I love the piece about um, the CTO, because that's similar to what we just talked about in the feedback conversation. Here's a hot button, just so you know, and here's how I might, here, here's how I might show up. But talking about that in the development stage of the F on the launch pad and saying, Hey, this is new to me. I don't know that I'm drinking from a fire hose. So be patient with me. I don't have the answers. I'm going to try to figure it out. I might get frustrated. I love that. And that seems to be a really important part, especially if you're in a company where you have the relationships and you're launching a new S curve. That's right. Right. And, and I love how you said, instead of trigger hot button, that sounds so much more genteel. Um, yeah. So Exactly. When you talk about it out loud, then people will, you're, you're giving yourself permission to grow and you're giving everybody else on your team permission to grow as well. Yeah. I love that. And so what about, you know, when it comes to designing and building a team mm -hmm. and, and utilizing the S curve, how, how do we use that to, 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 whether it's org design or designing our team for the business and, and the, the requirements today? I thought you would never ask. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, I love talking about this. So, so yeah, you can use it personally. You can use it for growing your people. Um, what we found is that as you're thinking about your team, and if you're trying to build an organization that can grow an organization that can innovate, then you need people at different points along the curve. And so as a starting point, think about a standard bell curve distribution you want at least 60% of your people in the sweet spot of their growth because that's where they're growing fast. They're asked, they're still asking questions like, well, why are we doing it like this or that? But they're also capable of asking questions. So that's this place of optimized tension. But their energy would be, again, this is the dopamine spot. I'm excited. My energy's good, right? Yep. Your energy's good. You feel like, and, and, and we talk about in the book, we've got this Goldilocks table of like the different things that you feel. And, and there's a sense of growing identity of like, yes, I can do this. This is who I am. Like you said, there's an energy to do it. And this sense of, 
I can do this. Like I thought I could, but now I know I can do this. And because in fact, I am doing it. Um, so, so that's at least 60%. Now you do want as a starting point to think to yourself, okay, I'd like to have 10 to 20% of my people at the launch point. Sometimes you won't and that's okay. But then you've got to figure out what am I going to do to make sure that I still have that fresh approach to the business so that we don't get stagnant. So how am I going to cultivate that if I don't have people at the launch point on my team? And then you want to have uh, uh, 10 to 20% of your people in mastery, because those are your people who are your institutional memory. Those are the people who are expert in, in, advisors. in organization advisors, et cetera, who could say, yeah, we did try this. So why don't you think about X, Y, or Z? And they can really serve as the anchor, basically helping everybody else come along the belayer from the top. And they've also, they're at the top of the mountain. They've got that perspective. So I'm just, I'm curious about that. So, because as you're talking about that, I've been thinking about, you know, I I always surround myself with, with key advisors. And I feel like for startups, that's going to be tough in some cases to have someone at mastery because it's a new startup and the the business on its own S curve. Right. Mm -hmm. And so are some companies in that phase kind of outsourcing the mastery and it's it, right. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. You absolutely answered it. Yeah. So when you're, you're in a startup phase, you probably don't even have you don't have the money, you don't have the resources to go out and hire your experts. And so you either get them on your board of advisors or you hire consultants. You, you basically get a SWAT team. And yeah, so you're, you're, you're yourself doing eight S curves. I'm on eight S curves, right? That's now. right. You're on eight S curves. And as an entrepreneur, you're at the launch point of that S curve. And so you actually, and this is something we've seen in our own business, um, as we're growing and scaling our business, we oftentimes, we don't have the luxury of hiring people at the launch point because we ourselves are trying to learn so quickly. And so we need to have people who are either in the sweet spot or in mastery at a larger, more established organization. You can absolutely afford to have lots of people at the launch point because you've got the resources to do the training, et cetera. So that's why I said, use the bell curve, the standard bell curve, you know, as a starting point, but you're going to adjust it depending on your industry, depending on the stage of growth of your company. I love that. Um, and I wanted to ask you if there was a strategy around how do you scale the S curve within your company? So, so whether you were upgrading your values or creating your values to create your culture, is there certain language that you're advising folks that they should put in, um, in, in their, in their core values to help kind of lean into the S curve? How do you scale it? Mm. Well, uh, I guess because this is a podcast about scaling culture, we, we needed to ask, ask that question. Did, did we not? (laughs) Um, yeah. So what I have found Ron is that when people, because the S curve is so simple and it's so visual, it immediately becomes a language for people to talk about growth. And so it scales very quickly and very easily. Um, because once you introduce this, then people have a language and they can say, when someone says, Oh, I'm on the launch point right now, everybody knows exactly what experience they're having. And Hey, you know, Ron, I think I'm in mastery. Let's, let's have a conversation or oh, I'm in the sweet spot. It's awesome. So you now have this way to talk about the experience that you're having. You have a way to uh, see where other people are, because again, I might think you're in the sweet spot, but if you think you're in mastery, that's going to predict your behavior, not where I think you are. 
So it now allows you to figure out and think through succession planning. So you scale it by introducing it right, and by it. being willing to allow people to use this language, then it, it becomes this touchstone, whether it's growing your people or growing the organization. Cause as you said earlier, maybe as a business, you're on the launch point of the curve. Mm-hmm. And, and it also feels like, as I reflect to my own <clears throat> company, we're changing so rapidly and scaling so quickly. It's probably allowing people more time before they hit mastery because they have yes. to kind of, they're, they're still right. in the operations lane, but what they did yesterday is not what they're doing today. And the new the problems are very different. They have to maybe take on new skills to, to they're chasing mastery. Yeah. So what I, my, my guess would be my hypothesis in your instance would be, is that you brought people in because they were masters in something. They yep. have domain expertise. But depending on the day, depending on the project, they are toggling back and forth between launch point and sweet spot, launch point and sweet spot. So they've got this mastery in terms of domain, but because you're toggling back before between launch point and master, excuse me, sweet spot of the exercises or the work that they're doing, they're pretty much in the sweet spot most of the time because they feel like it's hard, but not too hard. And they're just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. When you, um, as we kind of come to the end, I did want to talk about your podcast, but before that, what else have we not talked about that you think would be, a, you know, something that we may have missed or glazed over that you think is really important for the listeners today? I don't think that we, uh, this has been really fun and interesting. And I think we've touched on everything that's important. I think what I'd like to do is just underscore the basic idea of when you understand this model, this simple model of what growth looks like, it will increase your capacity to grow. Cause you'll know, oh, here's where I am right now. Here's the experience I'm having. And therefore I can navigate it more quickly. And so that's the thing I want to underscore is use this to help you grow faster. I love that. Yeah. That, that seems to be the key headline is, is even the understanding of the process and where you are in the process mm-hmm. to even help you. You know, I love even at the beginning, when you said, if you understood it, then you'd understand you're going to be frustrated at the launch point. You are going to be until you get to the sweet spot. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. So look, let's finish with disrupt yourself. I didn't, I actually didn't know about your podcast. It just landed on my desk the other day as I was researching you. Uh, You've had some phenomenal guests talk, you know, I feel like my life I've had to disrupt myself 10 times and I continue to try to do it. Tell me about what got you into the podcast. I was curious and, and tell us, give us an overview of it. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, it, this is, we can talk shop for a minute cause it's a fun question. So I, I, um, I have always liked interviewing people. I've always liked having conversations with people and, and understanding them. Um, Sunil Gupta, who I had on the podcast a few months ago, and he wrote a book called backable afterwards. He said something to me. He said, you want to understand the essence of a person. And I realized, yeah, that's, you know, how someone names you and you're like, this is awesome what they just did. And yeah. I thought that's true. I, I enjoy that experience. And I think when you interview someone for a half an hour or 45 minutes, if you're really present, you get the essence of that person. And that is a magical moment. I mean, like I'm getting emotional as I'm describing it. There's a magical thing that happens in that moment. Absolutely. So that's, I think that was my initial motivation for it. There have been also sorts of knock-on or, or follow-on benefits of it. Um, it's ended up being great opportunity to research for my book. Like, you know, you, you read my book, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that little snippet of an interview. 
So it allows me to do that. It allows me to continually be learning because I end up reading lots and lots of books to prepare for the podcasts. Um, and then it also ends up becoming an opportunity for business development because people are much more likely to want to work with you if they've been able to get a sense of your essence. And you can get that when you're listening to interviews. I love that. So, well, so what about you? Why, why do you like doing it? You know, well, it's funny. Um, as I was listening to you speak, a lot of the same, uh, like I feel like we're doing it for, for a lot oh. of the same reasons. And, and I, I, I get excited about the podcast and I tell other people, I say, look, I used to go to a conference and I, and I would be talked at for all day and I would meet someone like yourself and maybe get a, hey, how are you at the lunch table? It was awkward and you're just trying to eat now and I'm bothering you. There was no conversation. And so I would agree. I mean, this podcast for me has been, it forces me to learn in a different way, mm -hmm. right? It's a deep dive into a conversation. It's not me flicking through and uh, what do you call it? doom scrolling where I just get a snippet of something, go to something that had nothing to do with that thing or, right. you know, and so it's been, it's been incredible. And the relationships, which as you heard is, are very important to me. I've been able to build so many incredible relationships. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I've really enjoyed it. And I would say that my passion is people and culture. And it's, I think it's been one of the most challenging things as I was building my private security business across Canada. Um, you know, we would peak at 3,500 employees full and part time. And we really had to, when I almost went into business in 2014, 15, the question of how would I restart this industry from scratch and building culture was a key headline. And I became obsessive about how do you build the right culture? Because I always go back to sports and say, look, if you build the right team, you win you know, you win the game and business to me, I don't want to call it a game, but I look at it like that. I'm competitive. And, and I think with the right team members on board, you win. And I was uh, actually, I think the, the other thing that I think about today and, and that the podcast has brought to life <clears throat> is that from a culture perspective, uh, it used to be this transaction of Whitney. I only care about how you show up at work, whatever happens to you at home, that's your business and don't bring it to work, but that's changed. Now it's, what is going on? How do I make you the best version of yourself? So I get a piece of that. And I've learned a lot through the podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And you made me think of one more thing. I think that um, I use it for teaching. I don't know if you do this, but I'll say to, you know, I'll say to people, Hey, if you're struggling with X, go listen to that podcast. And so it becomes a teaching tool as well. Do you do the same thing? hundred yeah. percent all the time. I flip it to people. I could be, I could have a coffee with someone and I uh -huh. hope they don't look at it as a bragging thing, but like, you need to listen to the episode with Whitney Johnson. That's the, where we talked about this. And, uh -huh. and I, uh, you know, I, I really think it's a gift to be able to pass that stuff off. And Whitney, it was a gift to have you here today. So I really appreciate your time. I've loved the conversation I've got. I'm prepared for my meeting today at two o'clock, which is great through this. So it was excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a delight. For more information about Whitney and her book and her work, please follow her on LinkedIn or go to her author page on Amazon. To learn more or purchase the Scaling Culture Masterclass, please go to scalingculture.org. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.